Vegas Nation is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app today and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. Sports. Entertainment. Little to no culture. It's time for Unsportsmanlike Conduct with Ed Graney and Adam Hill. Hey, welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review-Journal Blue Wire. We're your hosts, Ed Graney and Adam Hill, and we're here each week to give you some of our thoughts on the Las Vegas Raiders before entering the world of news and topics we find interesting. Um, before we get to some of those topics, and there will be a few this week I'm really going to get on you about, uh, I, I'm fascinated to know what you think. We're, we've gone through two media availabilities for OTAs now. Next week, a mandatory mini camp, three days, and then one more OTA availability before the break, before training camp. One position I'm fascinated to know what you think about is running back and the running back room. Haven't seen Josh Jacobs, uh, Kenyon Drake. Um, usually they keep Josh Jacobs out of involuntary stuff for his body because he gets so beat up. Um, but that running back room is kind of fascinating to me. And I wanted to know how you thought it would sh- uh, shake out. They drafted Zimir White. They have good familiarity with Brandon Bolden. There's others in that room who will try to at least, you know, make a practice squad. So when you think of the running back position to start, how does this thing shake out to begin with? And, and how many of these guys do you think could see action this year? I, mean, I think that's, that's the easy yeah. answer. Well, whoever makes the team. I mean, I expect certainly right. not everybody that's in the running back room right now is going to be a part of the opening day roster. It's just silly to think they would keep that many guys. Uh, they could stash a couple on practice squad or, uh, you know, have guys where you cut and bring them back perhaps later. Uh, but this is the, you know, I think one of the interesting things that's developing is how similar they are to the Patriots, but how similar they don't want to be to the Patriots and how much they want to say, you know, they're starting their own thing here. And they are, I, I think that's, to be clear, they are starting their own thing, but everybody learns from somewhere. You know, everybody takes their um, their philosophies. They kind of borrow it from a lot of different things in a lot of different places. And um, listen, the, the Patriots formula has been a winning one. So I, I don't think it's that silly or crazy to think that they're going to borrow a lot of what they do from what the Patriots did. And, you know, I can speak, you know, certainly from somebody that has observed the NFL, but um, I think in some areas, if you are, a fantasy player and a hardcore fantasy player like I am, like you understand what New England has done with running backs the last, you know, couple of decades. They they tend to not want the one guy that's going to carry the load every single week. Um, they don't want they don't want uh to have, you know, the same guy getting 25 carries every single game. Like that the, the way that Josh Jacobs has been used the last couple of years doesn't really line up with how the Patriots have done things. Now, if he's a far and above and um clearly like far better than everybody else, then yeah, I think they would make that exception and allow that to happen. But their philosophy has always been to use everyone and it's game plan specific. And, you know, you can have a guy three weeks in a row, carry the ball 20 times and, you know, get 150 yards and two touchdowns. And the next week he's deactivated. Like that's how the Patriots roll. And so not to say that they're going to completely steal that, but I think that that's very possible that we're going to see, uh, a usage of running backs in the same way that the Patriots have done things. And I think that's evident in how much they're stockpiling talent at the position. Um, it, it, you know, it's pretty clear that they want to have a lot of guys at their disposal and do things a lot of different ways. And, you know, one of them is Brandon Bolden, a guy who's done that for many years in new England. He's been the featured back one week and deactive the next week and the third down back the next week. And that's how, that's how he's kind of done things. I think he probably gets that. Uh, but when you have, you know, not only him, but, Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs, of course, who's been the bell cow guy the last couple of years, but is in the last year of his contract. And, you know, you draft a Zemir White 
and a Britt Brown. And, and the, the guys you're bringing in, like you're just stockpiling guys. I mean, we haven't mentioned Amir Abdullah, who has been a very you know capable receiving back out of the backfield, a third down back for the last uh, couple of years. So um, there's a ton of talent there, and I don't know how it's going to shake out. And I think that's by design. That's what the Patriots have wanted to do. I think that's what the, the Raiders administration wants to do now. They don't want anybody to know who's going to be the guy from week to week. We haven't seen Josh Jacobs yet in the media room or the interview room. I uh, haven't seen him on the field. Uh, in the past dealings with Josh Jacobs, what do you, what kind of uh, Josh Jacobs are we going to see when we finally talk to him? Um, did not pick up his fifth-year option, drafted a running back who they feel very high on, the kid from Georgia, um, Zamir White. So what, what kind of attitude – uh, from your past dealings with Josh Jacobs, do you think we'll see when he finally shows up and we're able to talk to him? I mean, I think he's he's going to welcome the challenge. Uh, I mean, at least outwardly, he'll say that. I think he'll he'll you know he'll say that's the nature of the business, and um, you know he he didn't get his option picked up, which obviously is is very frustrating. And I'm sure you know privately that's a frustrating situation for him, as it should be for running backs. Like I've advocated many times, I think running backs are completely screwed by the system in the NFL and by the value, uh, the valuations and the, uh, the charts and the caps and the, the way that the contracts work, it's, you know, okay, come be our running back for four years. We're going to, you know, beat the, the heck out of your body every single week, every single practice. And then at the end of this, those four years, when it's time to actually get paid and actually get a contract, if you're a first round pick in particular, uh, we're going to say, nah, we're, we're not going to be able to decide to do that contract. Your body's too beat up. Yeah, you did. You did that. Um, and so I, I think in the very rare exception that running backs get those long-term deals, uh, those are starting to go away and, and evaporate. I mean, you know, Christian McCaffrey obviously got a big deal and then he got hurt. Um, I think they need to find a way to make some exceptions in the salary cap and in the structure of rookie deals uh, to get running backs paid a little bit sooner. Uh, and to get more guaranteed money, I think that would be only fair the way that the position is being treated right now. But that being said, I'm sure Josh Jacobs privately is very frustrated that his fifth year option wasn't picked up and wants to go out there and have the opportunity uh, to show why they were wrong and and to go into a contract year where he is you know leaves no doubt that he deserves a long term massive deal. Um, and he's probably like we said in the opening of this, he's probably not going to get that chance in this system because of how they use running backs. So again. You know, running backs, the the value that has kind of plummeted in that position is going to show up again with Josh Jacobs. So all he can do is say the right things, which I'm sure he will. He's very, very good at saying the saying the right things. And I don't even mean that like he's, you know, like he's not genuine. I think he's very genuine in what he says. Uh, we know a lot of his background and, and how much he overcame to get to this point. So um, I think a lot of his words are very powerful and resonate very well. And I think he'll come in and say, Look, I understand the business. I have to go out and prove myself on the field, and you know he'll he'll have a chance to do that in at least some capacity. Uh, but I'm I'm sure there's frustration, but I I doubt we'll hear much about it from him. I don't know how um, you wrote about this earlier this week, Josh McDaniel saying I'm not Belichick and I I'm not going to be, and that's right. Obviously, he's not Belichick. He's not going to be. But um, you said earlier uh, here in the podcast, and I agree, is that you take a lot. Of- of people you take a lot from the people you work with so i don't know how this isn't going to be a lot of the patriots way for as long as he worked for belichick give me give me a few ways you think he can be different i mean because i just think i'm not going to say he's a belichick clone and perhaps that's not what you want to be because a lot of his assistants have gone on and not had much uh success 
So are there things you think after talking to Josh McDaniels and writing your story, he can be different than Belichick outwardly that it would be noticeable? Um, maybe not even in coaching. Um, now, how he's dealing with the media so far, we're seven football fields away. So maybe he took that from Belichick as well when we're watch, trying to watch practice. But are there some things as a younger guy you think he could be different at that we'll notice? Well, I'll, I'll answer that. But let me first like just be clear on like, I think this would go for anybody, right? I mean, I just like, I'll go inside myself. And I think people that are listening can relate. Like if you've had a job for a long time, you know, I've been at the RJ since college. I've been there 20 years. If I went to, you know, work at another paper or go like run a sports department somewhere, like a lot of what I would take, I'm sure would be from what the RJ does, right? Like that's how, right. that's how you're groomed. That's how you, um, you know, that, that's how, that's what you've learned. And that's what you think works or you see things that do work and things that don't work um, in, in those other realms. And, and then you try to take those and carry them forward. And I'm sure a lot of what I've, I've learned would be from the way that the review journal does things. And I'm sure people out there are thinking the same thing. If you work at, you know, wherever, um, you know, whatever company, if you're there a long time, I think when you go to a new job and you try to, you know, you know, strike out on your own, you would, you would take a lot of what they did, you know, whether it's, you know, payroll systems or, you know, that, that sort of thing, like all those things, you, you know, you have to learn them from somewhere. And I think that's, that's part of what this is not to say that he's just a, you know, you know, a mold of clay that Belichick turned into a coach and now he's going to go take that somewhere else. Like that, that's, I think that's the mistake that people are kind of saying like, Oh, he's just into the Belichick. Like, no, you, you learn from where you work. You learn from who your employers are. Like, those things happen for sure. And so I think one of the things that McDaniel said this week that really struck me, and that's why I wanted to write about it, was that he did try to do that in, in Denver. He, he tried to take every single thing that Bill Belichick does and the way that he runs an organization and just replicate it in a new location. And that doesn't work either. Like a lot of it's going to form your opinion and kind of mold you, but you can't just recreate everything because that's not you. And it's a different situation. And, and he said a lot of the assistants have learned that same lesson. And that's why there hasn't been that much success. So I think what he's learned is you have to take some of it. You have to take some of the structure that you like and, and recreate that. And some of the things that you've seen over the years that didn't work or that you didn't like and that didn't fit your personality, um, then you kind of change those and, um, and, and adapt those in the new location. And that's the, the mistake that he made. He didn't do enough of that, you know, striking out on his own and, and figuring out things that work better for him. And they're different people. I think that's, that's the, the start of it. Like Bill Belichick is, you know, I, I don't think he's the crotchety, crustedy, uh, crustedy is not a word, the crotchety, crusty, um, you know, grump that he comes across in press conferences. I don't think he's like that all the time, but he's not exactly the most you know outgoing uh, people person that there is. And I think Josh McDaniel is a little bit more of a people person, a little bit more uh, relatable. And I think he can, he can change that part of it. Maybe the, you know, Belichick being, you know, somewhat standoffish in certain cases to not only media, but also staff and players and things like, don't try to do that just because Belichick does it. You can be yourself. And you can be more personable and, and you can have a more, um, you know, open and, and welcoming environment that you create uh, in this, you know, in, in this new 
era. And, and he tried to be like, do a Belichick impression of his last job. And that just wasn't going to work for him because that's not him. So I think it's just those little lessons that you learn of, you know, taking the good things, but then adapting some of the other things that more fit your personality are what he's going to be able to do. I think that starts with, you know, relatability to players and, and people around him and that sort of thing uh, that is going to be pretty noticeable. Uh, but there's also, I'm sure, in-game things that maybe he didn't think worked and, and he would do a little bit differently. And um, we'll see some of those things. Now, we've we've joked about it again. I know people don't care, but just uh, as another, you know, as another part of this, the openness of practices and how much, you know, people are able to see, how much media is able to see is definitely taken from New England. Uh, we know that. How much they want to be available for uh, press conferences and things like that, we know that. That's taken from New England. Um, but again, those things, those things don't matter. Uh, to anyone except for us, really, and for people that want information on the team. But um, those things are definitely taken from New England. But I think you know he's been a little bit more open in, in what he's told us in press conferences, which is his own thing. That's not a New England thing. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. And no, but I'll say this, and people still don't like to hear it. The more access we get, the better stories we can tell. Oh, of course. So when people say, oh, we don't care about the media, you guys are whining, you're out of practice. That's fine. I get that. I mean, we're always going to kind of have that attitude from people on the outside looking in. But, no, but you, and that's, it's, it's true. Look, when, it's when true. We, whenever we talk about this, we, 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 um, put the caveat that we know the, the average person doesn't care. It comes across sure. as whining. They don't care about us. But it's also like, I, I'm sure you do, and I trust me, I do, get texts and tweets and DMs and, and people hitting me up every, every single time we're out there of, hey, how does this guy look? How does this guy look? What's this guy doing? Where's he lined up? How is this different? And, and to not be able to answer that question because they block us from right. things, that's, that, that is like an, an obstruction to um, to a lot of what fans want. And again, the vast majority, I think, of fans only care what happens on Sundays and they just want to see what happens on Sundays. And they don't care about getting a report during the week that, you know, this guy switched over from, you know, guard to tackle, or, you know, this guy, you know, this guy's lining up at outside corner instead of slot corner. And, you know, I'm obviously referencing certain people, but like, I, I know that people want to see, want to hear those things. And there is a segment of the, of the fan base that wants to know about those things. And, to not be able to bring that to them is a little bit disappointing for us. And, for them. and specifically, I would think you'd agree because uh, we both play in multiple leagues, fantasy players. I mean, fantasy players want a lot of information. A hundred percent. Absolutely. That people are going to want that. And as we get to the season, people want it even more. Um, but I'll, I'll also throw this out there, which might be surprising to people. I think I would handle practices probably in the same way. If I was a coach, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with the way that they do it. I'm just saying that there are people that are disappointed in it because what benefit, like we're talking about the benefits of the fans, but what benefit does it have to you as a coaching staff for somebody to know what you're doing or for the media to report on what you're doing out there? Like none. So I, I, I totally get what they're doing, of course, but I'm just saying for the, the segment of the fan base that wants information from practice, it's very yeah. tough. And I know some media are trying. There, there's media that are trying uh, to say what's happening on the practice field. Trust me, I, I promise you, they don't know. Uh, okay, so mandatory is next week, followed by another OTA that can go to and probably not see anything. I saw this this week. I refuse to believe it, and I need to know why, because it just seems so bizarre to me for your whole life. 
is it true that this is the first time recently you've cooked ground beef? Was that what I saw? Anything. What does that mean? Anything? Like I don't prepare food. You're not talking about like pouring cereal in a bowl. You're talking about like turning no. the oven on, turning the oven on and, you know, actually cooking something, some spaghetti, some beef, some chicken, stuff sure. like that. Sure. Like, yeah, I can make cereal or like make a sandwich or something. Make I mean, cereal. Fact, <laughs> yeah, prepare, make cereal. Prepare cereal. You pour it in the bowl. I mean, yeah. Uh, How did I, you get to this point? What, I mean, I, when did this start? Well, I'll get into a mac and cheese I've done. Like I can do like a, like a box of something. Um, I did get into making pasta at one point. Okay. All right. A little water in the boil. Sure. Which I never mastered how long to keep it in there, but I did it. Like I can throw things in the microwave and then I buy a lot of like uh, meals from God. There's a, there was a grocery store. I know they, they kind of have versions of this, but there was a grocery store here in Las Vegas. They might've had other places and I'll just shout them out. Cause they're gone uh, called fresh and easy where like they would sure. air a meal and then you just, you just throw it into the oven. Yeah. I okay. So that. you can do that. You can start, you can preheat an oven. Sure. So I guess the more technical way to say this is that I've never in my life cooked meat. You've never in your life gotten a steak, seasoned it and thrown it on the grill. Well, I did it once for an Instagram thing. Um, like I threw a steak in an air fryer. In an air fryer. Oh, no. It was a big thing on TikTok a while ago. And I tried to do that. It didn't come out great. Like it tasted fine, but the look didn't look good. And it was clearly obviously just to to be it was supposed to look good on, on social media or whatever. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm terrified of it. Like I, I'm a terrible, I'm a terrible preparer of food in any way. Like I said, I mean, cracking an egg is a, that, that seems like a tedious, like it seems almost impossible. Like, how do you not get the egg, the, the shell, the in shell there? and the egg? Yeah. Like every, every aspect of preparing food terrifies me because food is dangerous. Like it is. And, and there's all these things that are, that are scary. So, and, and like, you know, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I never know the ratio of peanut butter and jelly. Like I, it, it comes off terrible when I make it. Um, anything that I make is not the proper. Why does there need to be a ratio? Which one do you like better? Do you like peanut butter or jelly better? And just put more of the, more of the one on the, why must there be 50, 50 on the ratio? That's the thing though. Like I like, a, I like the jelly more, but then, you know, I put it on there. I'm like, oh, I probably should have put more peanut butter. on. Like I just, I can't judge, you know, like a lot of people say like, Oh, you cook for taste or whatever. Like I can't judge what I think will taste good. I usually go to a restaurant and it's perfect. Like that's, that's what I want. The so, percentage of meals you eat out. Um, 95 oh, to 98%. 98%. Yeah. 98% of your meals are out. Yeah. What, do you do you ever go to Smith's and do a nice big shopping? Oh yeah. Well, I, it's, it's it is lower now because, like I said, I there like um I mean, you I guess you mentioned a store. I'll just say yeah, like that's the one that's in my in my neighborhood. There's only one store, right? Out in uh, out in Sohi, we only have one uh one store. So yeah, you go there, and then they have some of those meals that are prepared that you just throw in the oven, right? So I'll get some of those. Um, sometimes I'll buy like the um not the rotisserie chicken because I'm not a big. I'm not a big fan of like a full chicken, um, but like they have the, they tear the pieces of the chicken. Yes. Yes. So I'll do that and like make like a, I'll, I'll turn that into like fajitas <laughs> or tacos or something. Just yes, they the way, tear the pieces what, of the chicken. When I say that, like if I'm making uh, like a burrito or a fajita or whatever, this is not like preparing the chicken more. I take the plain white chicken, put it on a tortilla and then add like cheese and black olives and 
like salsa and sour cream or whatever. And that's a taco. To, like that's, that, was, that would be how I'd make a taco. So you can heat up the tortillas without burning the house down. Oh, I don't heat them up. I mean, I know that's the proper way to do what? it. I just eat them cold. Yeah. You eat the cold yeah. chicken and the cold tortillas? Yeah. I, do, I don't know how to make anything. So, okay, so then yes, what, getting... what's, what motivated you this time to do the ground beef then? For two things. One, it's the off season. And so um, now we're getting back to it. But I was like, I like I, I have a little bit of time like in the off in this during the season. I mean, I'm I'm not this is not uh, this is going to come off another another complaint. People don't care about like literally I am I'm gone at you know seven in the morning and I'm back home at like one in the morning. Like that's that's how the off season works. Like I'm never home. So I've just been sitting at home. I actually got through a couple of TV shows. Um, and I was like, you know what? It's time to try to make something. Oh. So I wanted to make a taco salad and I went to the store and I was hoping that somebody has like some mate, some already cooked and like chopped up ground beef. Yeah. That, that I don't know if they have that. Yeah. I couldn't find it. I went to a couple stores. I couldn't find that anywhere. And so I started like freaking out and I was like, I might actually have to try to make ground beef. Jeez. So I, <laughs> in the store, I took out my phone and I Googled you know, is it hard to make ground beef? And basically the answer was no. And there was like a step-by-step, like how to make it for dummies. And I was like, I think I could probably do this. And then I also Googled, um, how dangerous is it to cook ground beef? Like, like, is it possible to not cook it long enough or to not know when it's done? Cause that's yeah. the thing that really terrifies me. Right. Like right. I'll, I, I don't think I'll ever make chicken because that terrifies me. Right. Because um, it terrifies you, you won't cook it long enough. Yeah, a steak too, because like you don't know what the inside, you know, where the inside's at. Like it's that seems daunting. To well, me. you can always, you know, cut into it a little bit, but go on. <laughs> but I felt like I felt like ground beef in a frying pan. I was like, yeah, you'll you'll be able to see like all the way through it because you'll chop it up. Okay. So you'll be able to like see the inside of it and it's not cooked. So my I I looked at the directions. I was like, I think I can pull this off. Um, and I went home and I put it I threw it on the frying pan and I started cooking it. And I said in my mind, I like, I, this is going to be the most overcooked ground beef of all time because there's no way I'm going to make it. There's no way I'm going to make it so I can get sick. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm fearful of that too. I'm fear, yeah. especially the chicken, the chicken. I have to literally cut right through the middle of the chicken breast to see if it's completely all white. If not, I won't eat it. Yeah. But then I've, I've heard if you do that, then it doesn't cook right. Like, I, I don't, I don't, that's terrifying to me. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to make the ground beef. And I was like, let me get super adventurous and I'll actually get like the taco seasoning that you have to stir into the ground sure, beef. On the sure. <laughs> of course. Of course. So I did that and I cooked the ground beef up and I chopped it up and then I threw the taco seasoning in. I brought the water to a boil and I, the whole time I was like, this is, I mean, this is something like I am doing something here. <laughs> I'm really pulling something off. And, and I, I was so proud. I, was, I had like a huge smile as I was doing it. So I was like, I'm actually accomplishing something right now. Now in the end, was it great? No. I mean, I, the, clearly the P I didn't chop the pieces up enough. So it was like the pieces of ground beef were too big uh, for the taco salad. But at the same time, like it tasted overcooked, but like, okay. Okay. Uh, and I was like, wow, I pulled this off now. Will I ever do it again? I don't know. I, I mean, it was like, a, it was one of those, like one time, like you got to accomplish this in your life kind of things. I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I can't, I, I, I saw that. And I said, well, here's the funny thing. I didn't believe it, but then I believed it two seconds later. 
Like I, I said, yeah, that, that would be him that he's ever, he's never cooked anything in his life. I no. hope the 95% is coming down a little though on eating out at 95% of the time. It loses you a lot of money, by the way. Well, I've, I've got a little system worked. Out. I mean, once they, there, there's a, a local spot. I think I, I actually uh, talked about this somewhere else and a bunch of people hit me, but there's, there's a place that kind of works out perfectly because they have, uh, they have coffee and they have a salad bar and they have individual tables with outlets and Wi-Fi. Okay. And so so that's basically just making, yeah. Just making a salad every day, sitting at that, sitting at that booth, plugging in and working in the back corner. And I, I'm there like almost every day. Well, we know where that is. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I do know where that is. I do know where that is. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. I think, I, I think I do that. That, that, that's, that's good for you. Have yeah. you become a regular? Do they know you every day? But like, it's, I don't really. So the thing is I've, so I've had spots like this before. And I think we might have, we might have discussed this where I go all the time. Cause I do get into a little bit of habit. I don't necessarily consider myself a creature of habit, but if I find something that's really convenient. Yeah. You, then, you go. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what I need. I need a place to set up my computer and work. Um, that's also like, you know, not freaking out that you're just sitting there the whole day. Um, and so, yeah, like that, that's what I look for. And when I find one, like I trust it. So I, I go there a lot. Um, and so, yeah, like everybody there kind of, I'm sure just thinks I'm the weird dude that doesn't talk to anybody and just sits in the very, very back corner, uh, away from everyone. Um, but they do know, like they know every day, like, all right, here's the salad plate. Here's your, here's your cup for your coffee. <laughs> go, go, go enjoy. So like, that's, you know, that's how it's kind of worked. But, uh, yeah, one day I didn't do it and I went and, uh, made my own ground beef. So, I mean, this has been good for it, you. It, this has been quite an off season. We are getting stuff done here. Ed. This is awesome, man. I'm proud of you, man. Well, if you want more cooking, uh, exposés and cooking tips, wait for Adam to do something else. Like maybe, I don't know, throw a steak on a real barbecue and see if he can flip it a few times. It'll never minutes. happen. Uh, uh, by the way, I also will not be posting my photo of the ground beef because it, it was, it definitely tasted better than it looks. Yeah. You're not going to pull our, our good friend, Mike Ramallah, who posts all his food. You're not going to pull one of those. No, but I did take pictures to prove that I did it, but it doesn't look great. Maybe you can give one to Larry for this, uh, for this podcast. We can uh, promote it along with the podcast. Just one, just one picture, one picture of the ground beef. That's all we need. Maybe I'll do that. All right. Again, uh, Chef Adam with his uh, update on cooking ground beef. That's going to do it for our latest edition of Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Station, sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review-Journal and Blue Wire. Remember now, there are new episodes of Vegas Nation every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe to Vegas Nation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcasting app, and find all that coverage and more at VegasNation.com. For our producer, Larry Meir, and my co-host, Chef Adam Hill, I'm Ed Graney. We'll talk to you next week from Mandatory Minicamp. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today.